Hey everybody, welcome to Props and Hops. I'm Matt Landis, and for those who survived the carnage last Sunday, it's on to Week 3 in the NFL. In this episode, we'll work through the Week 3 board through the lens of the best football gambling podcasts, and we'll also talk some beer and break down some bets. So to kick it off, let's dive into what we're hearing. There's been a lot of noise this week around a lot of injuries across the league, and rightfully so. We saw some big names go down that leave some big questions. On a humanitarian level, of course, wishing everybody a fast and full recovery, but from a betting standpoint, the rash of injuries could spell opportunity. So to make sense of it all, we'll turn to some trusted sources and run down the Week 3 board. Going in rotation order and kicking it off with Las Vegas at New England, current line Patriots minus 5.5, total 47 as I record this Friday morning Pacific time. On the Deep Dive podcast with Andy and Drew, I think they got this one right. They said the spread and total seemed to be in the right place. The Raiders were impressive in their home opener, but New England's pass rush could affect Derek Carr, and we've got a coaching mismatch in this one. I love that they brought up the coaching mismatch, because on Monday night we saw the Raiders up 7 with about a minute left, the Saints out of timeouts, Drew Brees not able to do anything downfield all night, and then John Gruden got celebrated for attempting a 54-yard field goal. Of course, the kick went in, so it looks like the right call, but Gruden would have gotten hammered if the kick was missed, and instead that set up the Saints with great field position to tie the game. So I think this comes down to the process being more important than the outcome, and Bill Belichick doesn't miss on process. On the Dream Preview, Steve Fezzik said he likes the Patriots in this one because he sees it as a letdown spot for the Raiders. And yes, we could see the Raiders let down after a big Monday night home opener, but that's not enough to get me in play on the side in this one. Moving on to the next game, the Rams at Buffalo, current line Bills minus 2, total 46.5, and Adam touched on this game in his Simple Handicap podcast. With regard to the Buffalo offense, Josh Allen has looked outstanding through two weeks. His deep ball was a big concern entering the season, but through the first two games, on passes 20 yards downfield, Allen's 6 of 8 for 149 yards and a touchdown. On defense for Buffalo, Cluster injuries at linebacker, that might be an issue for a Rams offense that appears to be back in the 2018 NFC champion form, thanks in large part to an improved offensive line. On sharpfootballanalytics.com, Dan Pizzuta noted the Rams finished 8th in ESPN's pass block rate in Week 1, and also that Jared Goff was only hit twice last week at Philadelphia. There have been a lot of bets in this game across the best football gambling podcasts. I'll kick it off with Adam on the Matchbook podcast this week. He likes the over, pending the weather. Keep an eye on the forecast with Hurricane Teddy and any possible implications with the wind, but it's looking okay for now, and Adam likes that this game features two of the top offenses in the league if you look at EPA, DVOA, or explosive pass rate. He also likes that Sean McVay has shown a lot of heavy sets and used the run game to alleviate pressure on Goff. Meanwhile, in Buffalo, offensive coordinator Brian Dable has been scheming optimally for Josh Allen as well. Adam also points out the Rams' defense as being just as bad, in his words, as the Jets and Dolphins. He had me up to that last point. I think the Rams' defense definitely represents a step up in class, but with the forecast looking okay, I do see a better angle to get in play on this one. 
More on that shortly, but looking at the side in this one, Drew on the Matchbook podcast, along with Drew and his partner Andy on the Deep Dive podcast, both on Buffalo at minus two and a half. They've got to like it even better right now at minus two. Drew's handicap, the Rams thin on the interior of their offensive line. That's an advantage for Ed Oliver and the Bills pass rush. Meanwhile, the Rams offense is also predictable with Goff's limitations and their defense, weak beyond Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, look for Brian Dable to scheme accordingly. Also for the Rams, this is a rough travel spot. They were at Philadelphia last week, then they flew back home. Now they go back across the country for another early kickoff. On the Dream Preview, Buffalo was also Matt Holt's best bet. He thinks the Bills have been more dominant than their first two final scores would suggest, and the Rams are seeing an overreaction in the marketplace. On the side, I lean to Buffalo, but I'm not sure about their performance against a better opponent this weekend, and I also think Sean McVay can find a way to scheme around cluster injuries for the Bills at linebacker. On the Even Money podcast, Steve Fezzik and Ross Tucker are both on a teaser, Rams up to plus eight, tied to the Vikings plus eight and a half. Fezzik called out that this fits the basic strategy model, crossing through the key numbers of three and seven, but he pointed out the Rams' travel spot is a concern. And I'd also be concerned about the Vikings on both sides of the ball, along with this being Tennessee's best spot of the season after opening on Monday Night Football at Elevation in Denver, and then facing a short week last weekend hosting Jacksonville. So not on the teaser in this one, but the angle I really like on the Matchbook podcast, the host Zoli brought together a nice fusion of Adams and Drew's handicaps. Buffalo on the side, over for the game. That results to the Buffalo team total over. Again, I love this angle. The forecast looks okay with wind staying below the 20 mile per hour threshold at the moment. So as long as that holds, I'm on Buffalo over 24 and like it all the way up to 26 and a half. Next game on the board, Houston at Pittsburgh. Current line Steelers minus four, total of 45. And I think Adam covered this one well on the simple handicap. We have an 0-2 team at a 2-0 team, but there's not necessarily a big gap between the Texans and Steelers. Houston's first two weeks, they've lost to the two best teams in the league. Meanwhile, Pittsburgh's seen a soft draw so far, getting the Giants in Denver, and they let Jeff Driscoll hang around last week. So looking back, I can see where there was some value on Houston plus six when this line opened. But right now, the number seems to be in the right place. Up next, San Francisco at the Giants. Current line 49ers laying 3.5, total 41.5, and there was no preseason this year, but we're sure going to see a lot of backups in this one. For the 49ers on offense, Jimmy G likely out. Backfield, Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman also out, and George Kittle is going to be limited if he can go. Meanwhile, on their defensive line, they're decimated. Nick Bosa, Solomon Thomas, D. Ford, all going to miss this one. So for the Giants, they seem relatively healthy since they're just going to be missing Saquon Barkley and one of their best weapons in the past game, Sterling Shepard. On the Even Money podcast, Steve and Ross are both on the Giants plus four and a half at the time they recorded. That's a good number before this line moved down through the four. And on the Dream Preview, Fezzik was still on the Giants plus four at the time of that recording. Fezzik's handicap, the look ahead here was the Niners minus six and a half. Jimmy G to backup quarterback Nick Mullins is worth four points in his mind. And with Jimmy G unlikely to play, plus the injuries across the rest of the roster for the 49ers, that outweighs the injuries the Giants are dealing with here. Also, the 49ers players are concerned about the turf. That could be a big factor as they play on this field for the second straight week. Dave Esler on the Dream Preview, also on the Giants. He sees the 49ers injuries as too significant, and the Giants injuries not all that substantial in comparison. 
On the deep dive, Drew said he's also on the Giants. He had a similar handicap to Fezzik, namely the 49ers injuries and the turf being a big concern. Drew also said the Giants could see an upgrade on offense on early downs without Saquon Barkley. And I'm not confident in either side here, but I can't buy the narrative that the Giants would be any better without Barkley. That's putting a big leap of faith in offensive coordinator Jason Garrett. And Andy pushed back on Drew here. I think that was a good take by Andy. I'll be passing on the side in this one. Lastly for this game, on the Dream Preview, RJ made the case for Daniel Jones' pass yards over, thinking the San Francisco defensive injuries might not be reflected in the prop market. I really like the logic here because it could open up a free roll, so I'll be monitoring the prop market for possible value on the over for Daniel Jones' pass yards. Up next, Tennessee at Minnesota. Current line Titans laying 2.5 with extra VIG or laying 3 with reduced VIG. Total at 50. On the simple handicap, Adam noted Tennessee's 2-0 but could be 0-2 with narrow wins at Denver and hosting Jacksonville. And I like that point because last weekend, the Titans were outplayed by the Jaguars, losing yards per play and needing a plus-2 turnover edge to win the game by 3 points. But... Minnesota's defense, Adam points out, it's been atrocious, and now they lose Pro Bowl linebacker Anthony Barr. Also, defense isn't the only problem for the Vikings. Dan Pizzuto wrote that Cousins had a 9.3 QBR last weekend at Indianapolis, so it's a mess across the board in Minnesota right now. That leads to Drew on the Matchbook podcast, along with Drew and his partner Andy on the Deep Dive podcast being on Tennessee, minus 2.5 here. Minnesota, again, a mess across the board. On the Dream Preview, similar takes from Matt Holt and RJ, also liking Tennessee, and I can't fault the logic for anybody laying 2.5 in this one. Minnesota last week, second straight big loss that was even bigger than the scoreboard would indicate, but now we're starting to see Tennessee minus 3 show up, so you're going to have to pay a premium if you want to get in now against the Vikings. Next game on the board, Washington at Cleveland. Current line, Browns minus 7, total 45. And on the simple handicap, Adam noted this should be the healthiest version of the Browns we've seen so far this season. And that ties into the Even Money podcast. Steve Fezzik on the Browns minus 7. Also a like for him on the Dream Preview. Fezzik's handicap, Washington's defensive line, it's good, but still maybe a bit overrated after a week one performance against that depleted Eagles offensive line. And on offense, Dwayne Haskins not showing a whole lot of progress from last season. Meanwhile for Cleveland, they dominated last week. They were unlucky not to cover that one. So it was surprising when Matt Holt on the Dream Preview hit the green button, taking Washington head-to-head against Fezzik on the Browns. A big part of Matt's handicap, the Browns unable to cover last week. And I'm going to side with Fezzik here. Cleveland dominated that one. That non-cover is why I think there's still some value on Cleveland in this matchup. Matt also credits Haskins for not turning the ball over. And yeah, that's a good thing, but he's not doing much else either. On the deep dive, Drew also said he's on the Browns minus 7. Fairly similar handicap to Fezzik. And again, I agree here, seeing value on the Browns laying the touchdown. Full disclosure, I laid 5.5 on this one last Saturday. This was recommended on Adam Chernoff's text message list. Highly recommend you sign up for that if you haven't already. The recommendations on his lookouts have been great so far this season. I also have Cleveland as the second leg of a teaser with Miami. I posted that on Twitter, at MLandis18, when I made the bet on Thursday. So I've got some exposure on the Browns already, but I still like them up to minus 7, because last week... They outgained the Bengals by 3.5 yards per play. They're on extra rest in this one, and it's their second straight home game. Meanwhile, for Washington, second straight road game. Up next, Cincinnati at Philadelphia. Current line, Eagles minus 4.5, total 47.5. And And on the simple handicap, Adam laid out a bit of a case for the Eagles here. He called out the preseason look-ahead line, 
Eagles minus 12 and a half, and that would imply the gap between these two teams has closed by eight points in just two games. Adam notes Cincinnati getting some unsustainable success on high leverage downs. The Bengals have the highest third down conversion rate in the NFL through two weeks, and they were five for five on fourth down last week and still got lucky just to cover that one. Meanwhile, on the deep dive, Andy and Drew on Cincinnati team total over 20 and a half. I'd recommend shopping around. The best I'm seeing on this is 21 juice to the over, but maybe you can still find that number somewhere. And I see their logic wanting to fade Philadelphia, but Adam's point of the Bengals due for a regression on high leverage downs could keep them under this total. And on the dream preview, Tommy the Hitman's best bet, the over, he likes it up to 48. The Hitman's high on Joe Burrow, low on the Eagles' defense, and on the other side of the ball, he notes Cincinnati's defense has only gotten four quarterback hits in two games, so Carson Wentz should be better on Sunday. I like the logic here, but again, Cincinnati regression coming on high leverage downs presents a fly in the ointment, and I'm going to need to see it from Carson Wentz before I buy in with my money on the Philadelphia offense. Up next, Chicago at Atlanta. Current line Falcons minus 3 with extra VIG or minus 3.5 with reduced VIG, total 47. On the simple handicap, Adam called out Chicago being 2-0, but that's two close wins against winless teams that both suffered significant injuries during their game against the Bears. So Adam likes the Atlanta offense here. He sees the Chicago offense struggling to keep up, and I agree with that logic, but I think it's built into the current price. On the Dream Preview, Matt Holt likes the Falcons. Not a whole lot to the handicap there that I took away, so I don't have a bet on the cider total in this one. Gonna file it as a watch and learn. Moving on to the late window on Sunday, Jets at Indianapolis. Current line Colts laying 11.5, total 44, and Adam on the simple handicap noted the Colts lost safety Malik Hooker. They'll also be without wide receiver Paris Campbell. Those are big losses for the Colts, but still the Jets are such a tough sell at almost any number. Indianapolis, defensive front seven, major mismatch against the Jets offensive line in this one. So we've got that anti-Jets premium built into this line. That makes this a clear pass. Let's move on. Carolina at the Chargers. Current line Chargers laying 6.5, total 43.5. And and we'd be remiss not to lead off with the fact that last week, the team doctor punctures the starting quarterback's lung right before kickoff for the Chargers. Just another day in the history of that organization. But on the bright side, Justin Herbert looked very promising in his debut, posting a QBR better than 75. On the Even Money podcast, Steve and Ross both took Carolina plus 7. They got a good number before the line moved down under a touchdown. And Fezzik's handicap, Carolina's offense playing well, the Chargers in a letdown spot after a big overtime effort against the Super Bowl champions and their division rivals, the Chiefs, and Anthony Lynn, just too conservative as a head coach. I totally agree about Anthony Lynn. He is way too conservative. But as far as the Carolina offense playing well, I think that remains to be seen with this being their first game without Christian McCaffrey. And as far as that letdown narrative goes, that could break either way. Fezzik might be right or maybe the Chargers were inspired by what they saw out of Herbert. Look forward to watching him make his second start on Sunday. Next game on the board, Detroit at Arizona. Current line Cardinals laying 5.5, total 55.5. And And on the simple handicap, Adam said he could only look to the over, but it's no longer bettable after an opener of 51.5. Detroit has a lot of secondary issues on defense. On offense, they'll be getting Galladay back. And Arizona's offense has been electric so far. Really fast tempo. Kyler Murray showing blazing speed and a lot of rapport with his wide receivers. As far as the side goes, T.A. from the Sharp football team tweeted that the preseason look-ahead on this line was Arizona minus 2, and that suggests we could be seeing too big an adjustment off of just two games. 
On the deep dive, Drew said he's on Detroit plus six, and I agree at that number. It implies the Cardinals are almost as good as the Packers, and the Lions are almost as bad as Washington when we compare this number to the Week 2 lines. And Detroit has some familiarity here. They saw Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. They played in this venue week one just last year. So I played Detroit plus six earlier in the week, but I wouldn't want to go any lower than that number. On the Dream Preview, Steve Fezzik brought up an interesting angle, looking at Detroit in the first half, Arizona in the second half. He sees the Lions as a first-half team. Meanwhile, the Cardinals have shown to be a rare team that will pass with a lead late in the second half, and RJ and Matt Holt both agreed on the first-half bet in particular. They're finding a a 3.5 on this one. At that number, I'd make it a strong lean. Maybe I'm a bit hesitant because of my full-game exposure already in place on the Lions, but that three and a half is probably going to be a tough find, and if you want to take it, you're going to have to lay some heavy vig. Up next, Tampa Bay at Denver. Bucks laying five and a half, total 42 and a half, and on the Even Money podcast, Fezzik was on Denver plus six. He got the best of the number in this one. He also liked the Broncos on the Dream Preview. Fezzik's handicap, elevation for a road team in September before getting into peak condition could be an uphill battle for Tampa Bay, and Tom Brady is overrated in his opinion. I think that by week three, that elevation angle feels like a bit of a stretch, and Fezzik also seemed to gloss over Denver's injuries. They'll be without their starting quarterback, without a good playmaker at running back in Phillip Lindsay, and without their best wide receiver in Cortland Sutton. That should hamper the Broncos' offense. But I will agree with Fezzik when it comes to Tom Brady. I question his fit in Tampa Bay, especially early on, with the chemistry a work in progress. Last week, the Bucks were plus two in turnovers, hosting Carolina, yet it was still just a one-possession game within the final two minutes, and Tampa Bay lost the yards per play in that one. I'm not getting involved in the side here, but I do see eye-to-eye with Drew on a different angle. Drew on the Matchbook podcast, along with both hosts on the deep dive, like the under here. Drew and Andy see Denver being more reliant on the run with their backup quarterback, and that plays into the strength of Tampa Bay's defense. I like the under down to 41.5. And on the Dream Preview, RJ and Fezzik discussed a good prop in this game. Tampa Bay sacks over 2.5, up to minus 160. Jeff Driscoll takes a lot of sacks relative to the snaps he plays, but it's not widely known because he's a backup. I think that was some really good research by RJ. And in the matchup here, Tampa Bay has a strong front seven on defense. Denver's offensive line is weak, so the Bucks should generate pressure. I agree with this bet. Going to look to find Tampa Bay sacks over 2.5 at minus 160 once the prop menus are open come Sunday morning. Final game on the Saturday afternoon card, Dallas at Seattle. This should be a good one. Seahawks favored by five, total of 57. On the Matchbook podcast, Adam noted that while this is the highest total of the season, the pace could be an X factor. Dallas currently running plays at 19 seconds per snap. That's the fastest tempo in the league. It gets even faster when the Cowboys are trailing. Meanwhile, the Seahawks currently operating with the slowest offensive tempo in the league. On the Deep Dive podcast, Andy and Drew are both on over 55 and a half. They got a good number there. Their handicap, Dallas has a poor pass rush and a banged up secondary. That leaves everything there for the taking for Russell Wilson and his dynamic wide receivers. And on the other side of the ball, Seattle has a weak pass rush that leaves them poorly equipped to exploit the Cowboys' offensive line injuries. And I agree with the logic here, could only look to the over, but at this number, the margin for error has just gotten razor thin. As far as the side goes, on the Even Money podcast and the Dream Preview, Fezzik said he's on Dallas. He sees the Cowboys as underrated. They were minus five in turnovers last week if we include two failed fake punts, 
and Fezzik likes Mike McCarthy being aggressive and trying fake punts and going for two when trailing by nine early in the game. McCarthy gets piled on when that doesn't work out, but a lot of that's hindsight bias. Fezzik likes the process over the outcome in the long term, can't fault the logic there. And on the Matchbook podcast, Drew said he'll be on Dallas if we see this number hit six. I agree with Drew there. While I like Fezzik's handicap, I want the six if I'm going to get involved on the Cowboys, and I hope we see it. The Cowboys outgained the Falcons by 1.7 yards per play last week, and all three of the Dallas turnovers were fumbles. Those are more random, less skill-based than interceptions, and part of me wishes the Cowboys could have just lost outright to the Falcons, building some narrative around panic, an 0-2 Cowboys team after all those preseason expectations. That might have given us some extra point spread value in this week's line. For now, if and when plus 6 appears, it'll be gladly accepted. Moving on to Sunday Night Football, Green Bay at New Orleans. Saints laying a field goal, total of 53. And on the Matchbook podcast, Drew laid out a case for the under, but he came off that stance on the deep dive. Drew's case on the Matchbook podcast, Green Bay the first two weeks, they've faced weak pass defenses. New Orleans represents a big step up in class. Meanwhile, Drew Brees' arm strength, a big question in this one. Both teams will also be without their best wide receivers in all likelihood, Devonte Adams for the Packers and Michael Thomas for the Saints. These guys are unlikely to play, they'll be limited if they do go, and that means both teams could be run heavy. But Andy pushed back on the deep dive, saying the total seems right, neither defense has been all that convincing thus far. As far as the side goes, Adam on the Matchbook podcast and on the Simple Handicap said the Saints minus three is his best bet this week. He sees the run-heavy nature for the Saints being okay in this game. Green Bay, worst rush defensive success rate in the league so far. And Adam also agrees with Drew, Green Bay's offensive numbers have been inflated by a soft early schedule. And after the preseason expectation was for Green Bay to regress heavily from last season's 13-3 record, Adam sees the market as overreacting from two good showings by the Packers to start the season. The look ahead in this line was minus six. Even without Michael Thomas, getting it down to minus three looks like an overreaction. And Adam's last note, for all the offensive output through two games, the Packers only rank 11th in the league in net yards per play. And I take that stat with a big grain of salt because we've seen Green Bay gladly allow a lot of empty yards and garbage time and two big wins to start the season. So as far as the side goes, I lean to the Saints with Adam. I can see how Green Bay might be a little bit of an overreaction in the positive direction by the market. I also think Adam might be underreacting to what we've seen from the Packers so far. And Drew Brees' arm, a major question mark for anybody looking to bet the Saints. And moving on to Monday Night Football to wrap up Week 3, Kansas City at Baltimore. You could truly say the NFL saved the best for last with this week's board. Ravens laying 3.5, total 54.5. We've got the clear two best teams in the NFL. That makes it an early frontrunner for the game of the year. On the Matchbook podcast, Adam noted Kansas City's lack of explosive plays through the first two weeks has been largely due to defenses playing a conservative zone against them. Baltimore has a lot more man defense, a lot more blitzing. The implication here, look for more big plays, but also possibly more negative plays for the Chiefs on offense this week. On the other side of the ball, the Kansas City run defense continues to struggle. Outside of the Jets, the Chiefs have the most missed tackles than the NFL. When it came to Drew's breakdown on the Matchbook podcast, he expects this line to close at 4 or 4.5, and and if it gets to 4.5, he'll want the Chiefs. He sees them as a live underdog if Baltimore takes the lead, because Mahomes can answer and go score for score with anybody. And I agree with Drew's take there. I think the current line is right to say that Baltimore is the clear better team, but 
If we see four and a half, that's too much value on the Chiefs to pass up. And on the dream preview, RJ's best bet was on Kansas City at the current line of three and a half. He said Baltimore beats up on bad teams, but they're not as dominant against good teams, even when you account for the relative increase in quality of opposition. Also for the Chiefs, this is their second straight week of extra rest. That means lots of time to prepare for this marquee matchup. So I see RJ's logic, but I'm with Drew on needing the 4.5 to make it a full go on the Chiefs because Baltimore still is the clear better team playing at home in this one. And one more note in this game, on the Even Money podcast, Fezzik said the line's right in his eyes, Baltimore the clear best team, the line implies the Ravens win 60% of the time, if not more, and a head-to-head win would give Baltimore a one-game lead plus the tiebreaker over the Chiefs, and that means the inside track for the number one seed in the AFC. That one seed gets magnified with only one first-round bye this year, no immediate NFC challengers, puts Fezzik on Baltimore plus 500 to win the Super Bowl. I love the logic here, and I agree with this bet. While it's not a shock if the Chiefs win this game, if the Ravens win it, which they likely will, this number is going to be long gone. You already have to shop to find it, but I like it at any better than 4-1. to one. All right, so we're going to recap some bets soon, but with this, we've made it through the Week 3 card. That calls for a beer break. Let's dive into what we're drinking. All right, and I'd be excited to drink just about anything right now. I touched on it briefly in last week's episode. I've been on a beer break for the past couple weeks. That break gets lifted today, and I'm craving a return to the roots of craft beer. So today we're going to go with a classic, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. As the name suggests, this is a pale ale brewed by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. They're located in Chico, California. And this is the first of two appearances Sierra Nevada will make on the show this season. If you follow David Malinsky over the years, you probably have an idea of the second one coming as the holidays draw closer. Sticking with Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, it clocks in at 5.6% ABV and pours a deep translucent amber. I'll post a photo on Instagram at Props and Hops if you want to take a look at it. And when it comes to the aroma and flavor, we've got pine, citrus, and a touch of spice. Sierra Nevada Pale Ale brings a full body for the style, and that's really nice because a lot of pale ales can feel like watered-down, diluted versions of the more popular IPA. With this pale ale, you get a full experience and then some. I'd say overall, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale goes on the Mount Rushmore of iconic beers that turn drinkers onto craft. Other leading contenders would be Sam Adams Boston Lager, New Belgium Fat Tire, and Anchor Steam, but Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, to me, gives the best expression of hops among those four, and that makes it the cream of the crop. Now, speaking of the cream of the crop, hopefully that label will also apply to this week's bets. Let's break down what we're betting. 60% of the time, it works every time. The first bet on this week's board, Buffalo team total over 24, good up to 26.5, following the lead of the Matchbook podcast on this one. Quick call out to keep an eye on the forecast, as long as the winds stay under the 20 mile per hour threshold, this bet should be good to go. Josh Allen has shown a lot of improvement with his deep ball accuracy, and that Rams defense is beatable when you can avoid Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey look for an optimal scheme by Bills offensive coordinator Brian Dable. And last on this game, the Rams in a big fatigue spot. By kickoff, they'll have traveled across the country three times in about the last week, so Buffalo should be the much fresher team. Next bet, following the lead of Fezzik as well as Drew Densick, Cleveland minus 7 hosting Washington. Last week's domination by the Browns over the Bengals isn't being fully accounted for in this number, and I also like the spot for Cleveland here. Extra rest, second straight home game, and meanwhile for Washington, it's their second straight road game. 
Next bet, following the lead of Drew and Andy on the Deep Dive podcast, Tampa Bay-Denver under 42.5. I like it down to 41.5. For Denver on offense, no Drew Locke, no Cortland Sutton, no Phillip Lindsay. They could be playing into the strength of a stout rush defense for Tampa Bay, or if they want to try to pass, I don't think they're fully equipped to exploit Tampa Bay's young secondary. And on the other side of the ball, Tom Brady averaged just 6.2 yards per attempt last week at home against a poor Carolina defense. The Bucks lost yards per play despite the defense containing Christian McCaffrey, so Sunday I'm expecting to see a low-scoring output at mile high. Up next, following Fezzik's lead, Baltimore 5-1 to win the Super Bowl. I make that good at any better than 4-1. The Ravens are clearly superior over every team in the NFC, and with a win against the Chiefs on Monday night, they'd get the inside track on the number one seed in the AFC's only bye, this number likely to shrink if the Ravens win on Monday night. And lastly, putting the props and props and hops, following RJ's and Fezzik's lead from the Dream Preview, Tampa Bay sacks over 2.5 at minus 160. Jeff Driscoll takes a lot of sacks, but that's unaccounted for since he's a backup quarterback. It's not as well known. And Tampa Bay's front seven matches up very well against a weak Denver offensive line. And my personal favorite prop on the board this week, Dallas-Seattle shortest touchdown under 1.5 yards. I make that good up to minus 165. The handicap here is similar to Atlanta-Dallas last week when we saw the Cowboys score three times from the one and again from the two. This is the highest total of the season so far. That means we're probably going to see more touchdowns. That means a higher probability of a touchdown from the one-yard line. And Dallas is especially dangerous near the goal line with Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott. I expect both teams to be near the goal line a whole lot on Sunday in Seattle. And a quick heads up, if you're not seeing these props yet, they should be available come Sunday morning. And with that, it's on to the final segment of the show, the Malinsky Minute. And today we have some especially wise words to share. Fight for the things you care about, but do it in a way that will lead others to join you. These are the words of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I thought it would be fitting to pay tribute to her this week. And when I came across this quote, I couldn't help but think of Dave. Betting was his claim to fame, but it was only a small part of his character. And that's not to diminish his accomplishments, becoming a successful professional better, or leading what I'd make a heavy favorite to go down as the most civilized online betting form that's ever existed, in point blank. But Dave also loved to get out there and support small local businesses. He would feature mom-and-pop restaurants every week in point blank, and what he really loved, the bristlecone pines on Mount Charleston. That's what he said truly kept him in Vegas. He would often go off the grid on weekends to visit what he called his old friends in high places, and after that he would share the most beautiful photo essays with his inner circle. I could go on, but the point here is that between the betting community, supporting small local businesses, maximizing his natural surroundings, Dave fought the good fight in a way that made him countless friends and shockingly few enemies, if any, along the way. I think the takeaway for us is that whether it's a debate about a bet or something much more meaningful in life, the outcome is better and the journey is more fulfilling when we realize that we're in this together. So let's fight for what we think is right and let's do it with the approach that values common ground over differences, respect over contempt, and empathy over apathy. Alright, that'll do it for this week's episode of Props and Hops. Thank you so much for listening. If you found any value in this episode, please share it with a friend who could benefit as well. And for now, let's get out there and enjoy week three in the NFL. We'll be back at it next Friday to break down the week four board. And until then, let's bet well, let's drink well, and let's be well.